<laughs> Kids, we've got to love them, right? Got to love them. Um, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, guys. Can I hear some energy? Woo! Woo! Some more? And again? Woo! It wasn't getting better in any of those attempts, but um, we will try it again later, just once you guys have woken up and I've shouted, um, but that's not my intention today. Can you turn to the person next to you and tell them Jesus loves you? Come on. Don't be shy. If it's your first time here and you don't believe in Jesus, Jesus still loves you. Yeah? Can you turn to the person behind you and in front of you and tell them Jesus loves you? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Come on. He's glad to be here. Can we get a woo-woo? Yeah, there we go. I thought that would loosen you up. Anyway, guys, it's, it's great to be here. Um, sorry, I'm just getting myself comfortable. Um, I've got my, people have looked at my book. This is my, my Dictionary of Theology. Uh, it's a, I don't usually carry it around, but I couldn't, I couldn't be asked to memorize what I'm going to speak on. So um, I thought I'd just bring it because there's quite a lot in there. And I, I just thought I'd bring it along. We can read it, but I don't quite know where to put it right now. Um, Bloom, let's pop that there. Bloom was great, wasn't it? If you ladies were there. Uh, I heard it was, was really, really awesome. Um, today, as, as Anna said, we're looking at Nehemiah 12. But before I start, before I even look at that, I just want to say it's, it's a privilege to even be able to share with you and, and to speak from, from God's word. And, and hopefully you hear my heart um, in today's, today's message and, and even just in the worship and anything else that you experience today. The welcome, that you hear the heart of True Life Church and that you, you, get, you, you get knitted into that heart. That's my hope. That's my, that's my dream. And I want to honor um, the worship team. You guys did a great job. It's always difficult, like, learning new songs, but such a powerful song it was. Uh, and and I, I just want to honor you guys because, like, I mean, you guys are blessed to, to, to be able to play instruments. I mean, anyone who plays an instrument is skilled, and that's a, that's a blessing from God. So can we give them another round of applause? Yeah, come on, come on. Um, Dylan preached last week on Nehemiah 10. And he did a great job on that. And if he was here, I'd honor him. But he isn't here. You snooze, you lose. So, um, Dylan, if you, if you probably, hey? He's walking on coals. How heretical. Bro, I mean, like, that's just, I mean, seriously. Where's his priorities, right? Uh, no, we love Dylan. Um, and he, he was speaking on Nehemiah 10. And um, one thing that got me was about how, how the 80, 81 to 84 men determined the standard. They said, this is what we stand for, and this is how things are going to be from now on. Things changed. I mean, we learn later in Scripture that, I mean, they still, they, they aren't perfect, <laughs> um, but this was the standard. The intention was there to set a new standard. And so I was challenged by this. I said, what, what standard am I setting? What standard are you setting? It got me thinking, and I thought, it, what standard am I setting in my house? my family, my position of work, or just even in myself. What is my standard? And if you haven't listened to it, please do go and listen to it again. Um, I'm just going to be really cheeky and ask Tim, bro, do you mind just getting me some water? You, you forget how dry your mouth gets when you speak a lot, right? Um, and it just got me thinking about just setting a standard. And in fact, it challenged me to set a new standard. 
and what that standard looks like. Uh, and so today, we're looking at Nehemiah 12. Nehemiah 11 speaks about, um, if you have been following the Nehemiah series, um, if you haven't, please do go and listen to it. It's on, it's on Spotify. Um, just go through it and listen to all, all that that's kind of been shared on the book of Nehemiah. But we're going to speak on Nehemiah 12, and we're going to kind of conclude there, um, unless someone wants to tackle chapter 13. Um, Brad, I, I feel like that's you, bro. I can feel God just calling. Um, just feel, yeah, that, that's definitely it. Um, but we're going we're gonna to land in, in chapter 12. But Nehemiah 11 speaks about how they, they, there's a tent that comes into the city of Jerusalem and then essentially the people who, who reside in the outer areas. If you want to go and listen, if you want to go and read it, there's a lot of names um, that you, you're more than welcome to. Thank you, bro. Oh, amazing. It's even cold. Mm. That's quality. I think. Um, and so Nehemiah 12. We got it up on the board. Thanks, thanks. And it's it's about the dedication of the wall. We're not going to start from verse 1 because it's a, it's a good good piece of chapter and scripture. We're going to start from verse 20, 27. It speaks about the dedication of the wall. So Nehemiah is a book of building a wall, just if you didn't know. Uh, so Nehemiah gets this call, takes about eight months for him to prepare in prayer and God to stir something up in him and then takes 52 days to complete the wall. The wall is completed in chapter 10, I mean chapter 8, um, and then this is now the dedication of this wall. I love how it goes in full circle about how God is the one who prepares him and calls him. He prepares with God and then there's this, this is migration to build the wall. Once the wall is completed, there's great rejoicing and great sadness in chapter, chapter 8. And then it goes on, and then there's this dedication of the wall. It goes back to God, to who it belongs. And I just found that fascinating. I found it amazing how, how, how often we forget to give thanks to God and rejoice in God for the things that He's given us that He called us to in the first place. How, how interesting is that? Maybe it's just me who finds that interesting. I mean, like, you guys say, yeah, if that's you, come on, thanks, thanks. So it says, at the dedication of the wall um, of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from uh, where they lived, and they were brought into Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully. Can we say joyfully? Joyfully. The dedication with songs of thanksgiving, with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The the singers were also brought in together um, from the regions of Jerusalem. Jump down to verse 31. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. Can we say give thanks? thanks. One proceeded on top of the wall to the right towards the dung gate. Jump down to verse 38. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction to the left. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. Jump down to verse 40. The two choirs that gave thanks, can we say gave thanks? Took their place in the house of God, so did I, together with half the officials as well as the priests. And then jump down to verse 43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices. Can we say great sacrifices? Rejoicing. Can we say rejoicing? Because God had given them great joy. Can we say great joy? The women and the children also rejoiced, and the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem was heard far away. Powerful. Can we say amen to that? 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just your word, Lord. I thank you that you, you've inspired and, and your Holy Spirit has just led people to, to be able to write your word for us today, Father. I thank you that your word is living and active. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would penetrate our hearts, Father, invade our space, Father, and change our minds. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So chapter 12, chapter 12. What is the standard we are setting? What is the standard we are setting? I love how in this, in this book, there's this element of there's a standard to which has been set where God calls, God completes, and it's dedicated back to God. I love that. And there's great joy in amongst all the madness that's going on about building a wall. I mean, if you've ever tried to build anything with a whole bunch of people, it sometimes just doesn't work. I mean, like, I've, I've seen Tim at work. I'm like, I just let Tim do it because I know I'm just going to interrupt um, what he's doing. And he, and he knows a lot more than I do anyway. Um, amen. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. Oh, why did I say amen to that as well? I mean, that, that says something. No, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I, I'm, a, I'm an e expert handyman builder. That says enough. So from, from verse 43, from verse 43, it says this, And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. What are you joyful about? What are you joyful about? What are you happy about? What is, what is making you glad, if anything? Pop up your hand if you're joyful about something today. Yeah? Pop up your hand if it's not circumstantial, not based on circumstances. A little bit less hands. How often is our happiness and our gladness and our joyfulness found in our circumstances that we live? When things are great, we're happy. When things are not so great, we're not too happy. Why is that? Maybe you're joyful sitting here, joyful about a victory in your life. Because those you should be joyful for and joyful in. Maybe you are joyful because you've, got just, you've just got a promotion. How, anyone get a promotion recently? No? Okay. Maybe you're not joyful for that then. Um, but how many of us are joyful for God's goodness in our lives? Amen. Amen. God's goodness in our lives is the, the overwhelming reason why we should be joyful. God's goodness. But... Truth be told is I forget this all the time. My, my joyfulness, my, my rejoicing, and my, my gladness is based in my circumstances. I hope I'm not the only one in that, but when things are great, I don't necessarily say, God, I thank you so much for this joy. I feel, I feel so joyful. When things suck, I'm like, Lord, why did you do this to me? Like, why? Take me now. Things haven't got that bad in a long time, I'll, I'll just add. <laughs> it wasn't in verse 43, it says this, it's like, yeah, amen, amen. It says, on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. I have a picture of the old city back then. I mean, the pixels suck, Google, like I couldn't find it. I'm sorry, the, the, the actual pixels aren't the greatest. I think it's only like 1,300 by whatever it is. So... I wanted to draw some arrows, but I've got a, a pointy stick. There we go. So, that, uh, I can't actually even see it. So, uh, that is the Dungate. 
So some of them went in that direction, and the others went in that direction. Right? We, we see that? You guys can, can visualize Nehemiah's wall. Um, crazy thing is they've recently discovered a lot of uh, the wall and were able to um, kind of like determine who built it by the list that Nehemiah gives, I think in, in chapter 7, um, which, is, which is an amazing thing. You know, I, I love what um, Sue said, uh, Sonia, sorry. Sonia said, um, I know, about, um, that just ruins anything after, right? Um, but I love what Sonia said about how no historical finding or kind of no archaeological finding kind of fights against the Bible. It does not kind of contest what the Bible says. Perfectly in sync. Going back to verse 43. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them what? Great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. It wasn't the singing, which I'm sure was great. The worship team, they were, they were, they were really good. But that wasn't heard. I'm sure it was heard to some degree. It wasn't the sacrifices or the way in which they did it that was seen and stuck with people, but instead it was their joy that was heard far away. It was their joy that would, was witnessed. So my question is, what is the standard you're setting in your life? One to be joyful in Christ, or one not to be joyful in Christ, despite any circumstance? Where is our joy found? Life's hard, man. Life's hard. I've only done 27, 26 years of it, and it's been tough <laughs> and on occasions. Anyone who's done more knows a lot more than I do about how life can be hard. If your joy isn't found in Christ alone, then where is it found? Where is it found? A working definition of joy. This is it. Um, got that up on the board as well if you want to follow along. A delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. From a biblical perspective, it is not limited by nor tied solely to external circumstances. Joy is a gift of God, and like all his inner gifts, it is experienced even in the midst of extreme difficult times. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, joy is presented as a consistent mark of both the individual believer and the believing community. It is the quality of life and not simply a fleeting emotion. It is grounded in God himself and flows from him. Joy is not an isolated occasion or consequence of faith, but rather an integral part of one's whole relation to God. The fullness of joy comes where, our where there's a deep sense of the presence of God in one's life. From that awareness flows a strong desire to share what one's experiencing with others it is too good to keep to oneself. Are you sharing that joy that you have? Do you have enough joy to share? Is your joy sustainable even in the tough times? Where is our joy found? I must say, when I read that, I was like, this is not gonna, like, I'm like, uh, tick on one of them probably. Like, I get that. I feel like I, I, I got this. But the rest of them, I'm like, Lord, oh. Uh, I was saying to Brad earlier, when I was writing this, I was just struggling, man. I was, I, um, so anyone who knows me, I write every word. 
I don't say every word that's on there, but I write every word. Excuse the handwriting. Um, I, I write it because that's that's just what how it works for me. Um, and when I write it, I have to feel God because I just don't like doing it any anyway. And I was struggling writing this because I was like, I felt like I was doing it in my own self. And I thought I'd, I'd grab my my book and I I looked at it and I was like, my joy isn't in the right place. My heart isn't in the right place. It's not relying on God. Instead, it's fighting against Him. Instead, I'm going in an opposite direction opposed to the direction that God's calling me in, in the direction that He wants to go. And so I, I reread a few things and just kind of went with that. And, and seeing what God wants to do, and, and saying how, how our lives have to imitate that of Christ, and how our lives have to be that of the fullness of Christ who lives in us. It's a powerful thing when we know where our joy comes from. I was chatting to a few people, so my job is I, I, get, I get the privilege to see a lot of people a lot of the time, and, and I see so much sadness. I see so much sadness. And a lot of the time, it's, it's, it's because they've either broken up with someone or they've just done something horrible in their job or someone's been horrible to them or, or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And it's always something that's based on something else. That's where joy is found. Happiness is generally found from the next TikTok you see, next Instagram post, or the next motivational um, guy who pops up on YouTube. That's where our joy is generally found about what they say about us or the circumstances we're in, but it's sometimes just not found in the one who gives the joy. Verse 43, I love this verse. It says that God had given them great joy. Wasn't the, the fact that, I mean, yes, they were grateful about, about the war being finished, but God had given them great joy. God is the one from who our joy comes, and in Him we have the joy of the Lord. My question, of a question to, to you and to me is, is, what are we joyful about, and how are we being joyful in Christ? How are we living in a joyful heart? How are we setting a standard to carry a joyful heart? To be rejoicing even in the midst of suffering. To be rejoicing even when we don't feel like things should be in a matter of rejoicing, if that makes any sense. How do we change the atmosphere and have our rejoicing seen far away like it was in Jerusalem? Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, it, there's, this, there's this verse, uh, it's an isolated verse to be fair, that I'm using. Um, it says, live such good lives among the pagans. Are we living a life that is worthy to be called good in Christ Jesus? So that people would see Christ in us. In, in Matthew 7, it speaks about, you will know them by their fruits. Yeah. Do they know, does, does God, do, do the people around you know you by your fruits? Maybe you're saying, Willem, I know a few non-believers who are very joyful. They're very happy people. They are doing this and that. Very nice people. Very amazing people. My question to that is, how many of them are joyful when things go horribly wrong? Do they live on Nehemiah 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 10, where it says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do they live on that very verse? That when you feel weak, tired, unjoyful, miserable, whatever else, 
do we rely that the joy of the Lord is my strength in those weak times? Do we go back and say, Lord, for the joy of the Lord is my strength and this is how I will live my day? Or do we just submit to the things that go, around, go on around us? When things get tough for Nehemiah, he goes to God. And on the completion of this war, after the tough times have come and gone, and he goes back to Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes. Um, I mean, things kick off in chapter 13. But it, it's, there's this element of he goes to God where joy is found. He goes to God where love is found. He goes to God where kindness is found. He goes to God where strength is found. Is this the standard we are setting in our lives? Are we rejoicing so that people would see us? I'm not asking you to be fake. I'm asking you to be real. But real as in the sense that God wants you to be completely real. And that means to be living in Him with the fullness of joy in Him. With the fullness of love in Him. With the fullness of peace in Him. I'm not saying I got this perfect. I'm, by no means, I don't, I don't think I know someone who's, who's got this spot on. But once we change the standard, once we say this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it, that's when things change. That's when our lives turn into a different trajectory. And we say, I was reading, um, sorry, just this came to my mind. Uh, John Mark Homer, I was listening to one of his po podcasts about silence and solitude. And I was listening to this and he says, you know, when he's just with God, there's this overflow. And I'm like, I love that idea. Like, when I'm with God, there's this overflow. Is God omnipresent? Is He here right now? So from within us, there should be this overflow, right? There should be this overflow. This overflow of gladness, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, and love. That should overflow from within us. Where does our joy come from? Where does our joy come from? Does it come from our circumstances or does it come from God? How do we attain this joy? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it speaks about, 20, uh, in verse 22, it speaks about the fruits of the Spirit, about uh, how love, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance, kind, uh, can't remember the rest. Um, but they're there in Galatians chapter 5. You, you can read them. And joy comes even you know, in, in, one uh, in 1 Thessalonians. It speaks about rejoice always, pray continue, and in all circumstances give thanks. Are we rejoicing always? Are we rejoicing always? I, I, I am not. I'm not. But I want to. And he was encouraged. He said, just start off small with your silence and solitude. John Mark Hummer, start off small. And so he said this, and I was so challenged by it because, I mean, like, I feel like I'm at this place where I'm like, Lord, I want to dedicate so much time to you, but my time is very little <laughs> that I have left. Uh, and I'm like, starting off your day by just saying, Lord, I give you this day. Get out of bed, sit, look out the window and say, Lord, I dedicate this day to you. Changes this perspective that we have for the day. Suddenly, the day doesn't become something that I'm living to or living for and striving to succeed. Instead, I know who I am, what I've achieved. Who I am in God will dictate the rest of the day. And so I was living in this, and I'm just like, 
so challenged by it. And I'm like, Lord, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and, and just praise your name in this day. I will dedicate this day to you. Whatever it is, whether you have a three-hour quiet time with God, just understand that it, it's not about the time. I'm sure it's, it's a great time. But just be with God from whom joy, love, peace, patience, kindness flows. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So let's start living as if Christ is living in me. I mean, like, imagine this, right? Imagine if the whole entire world lived as if Christ lived in them. All the Christians. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not poo-pooing you if you are Christian. I'm not, I'm not saying you suck. Um, but what I'm saying is imagine if our entire life changed and looked like that of Christ. Man. What a different world. Joy comes through praising God. I love how they get on top of this wall, this accomplishment that God has done. They get on top of it. Now, if anyone's seen the walls of Jerusalem, they're high. Like you got fear of heights. If any of them had fear of heights, they would be overcoming it right then and there. But they get on this wall and they praise God, one to the left and one to the, to the right. I love this imagery about how they're walking around the completion of this wall that God had given them. In, in, in um, Genesis, um, Abraham is told, go walk the length and the breadth of the land that I give you. Are we walking the breadth and the length of the land that God has given us? Are we walking the length and the breadth of Milton Keynes that God has given us? In love, peace, joy, patience, kindness. Are we doing it in such a way that our joy, our love, our peace, our, all the fruits of the Spirit are seen from far away? Having the privilege of being able to see people all the time, people recognize a difference. My question is, do they recognize a difference in your life, in my life? What is our standard that we're setting? What is the change that we are setting in motion? Mummy's over there, Margaret. I love how um, Zalna shared from Joel chapter 2 um, in, in the prayer meeting and also just... just just, just now about how God, and I was feeling this, you know, God is, I just felt God say, you know, it's time to ch- throw away the old wineskin and bring the new one for the new wine. When we're singing the song, a revival, you know. Revival's in the air, but God can't bring revival where there's old wineskins. He needs to bring new wineskins for new wine so that he could pour out into that. And I, I just feel with, with Joel about how God is restoring. God is rest- restoring what the locusts have stolen. God is restoring in our hearts where we've been robbed of joy. Think about it. When you're, when, when you're joyless, when, there, when there's just no joy left in you, are you close to God? No. We want to be, we so want to be close to God when we feel joyless, but are we? It's time for God, for, for us just to let God restore what is broken in us, restore what is missing in us, restore what we are lacking in our lives. And say, Lord, make me joyful. Give me your joy. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh that I may feel the joy of the Lord rather than it being something based on circumstances. Maybe there's a lot of things that we can hold to. Maybe there's a lot of, lot of items that we can think about and, and say, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. 
But one, what I want us to do is, just based on this chapter 10 of Nehemiah, set a new standard. That when people see you walking around in the streets or wherever you are, well, they see something new. So much so, they'll see something new, be attracted to it and be changed. Dylan spoke a bit about my testimony, um, about how I was a young kid. I walked into a building. It wasn't, you know, the Christians and stuff like that. It, the thing that got me into Christianity wasn't, you know, all the praise and worship, this and that. Like, it was great, but it was Dylan's life that had been changed. That's what caught my heart. Your life is a testimony to those around you. The question is, is it a testimony worth living to? Is it, I'm just being challenging, I'm being direct here, is, is we've got to question our lives and say, Lord, am I living a joyful, peaceful, uh, patient life whereby I am pr- like showing the image of the invisible God right now in me, that it is Christ who lives in me and no longer I? Are we living in such a way that when people see you, man, that person's different. Brad, there's something different about you, what is it? Luke, there's something different about you, what is it? There's something different about you, Michaela. What is it? Are, God, are, are people seeing the difference in us? Are they hearing and witnessing that which is different about us in our lives? Are they seeing something different to what they're seeing in the world? The world has many, many fakes. Many fakes. Fakes about joy. Fakes about love. Fakes about peace. Fakes about patience. It's only truthful when we see that pain and pleasure are all the, like, you can be joyful, you can be peaceful, you can be loving even in those hard situations. And that joy, that, that joy is found in God. It is God who gave them great joy. To be clear, there were no exclusions in this verse. There were no exclusion. The women and the children rejoiced. A lot of the time we see in the Bible where they, they, they counted the men and said that the men rejoiced. And we can presume that the women and children were also there rejoicing. But in this it was very clear that there was this overwhelming rejoicing to God by every single one. The women, the children, the children. I mean, have you ever seen a love when like, I come home from work? Henry just runs, da-da, and oh, melts my heart. I'm like, that joy, do we have that? Do we have that? When we enter God's presence, says, Father, Dad, I'm here. It's like, I was expecting you. Because when we rejoice to God and in God, He rejoices over us. There's this beautiful thing about as we pour, there's this, this interwovenness about us and God. The question is, are we living in that interwovenness with God? Are we letting Him restore what is broken in us? A kid growing up in the situations that I grew up in, and so on and so on. God has softened my heart. Being interwoven with God is like uh, this, this emotion, everything. God's saying, I'm restoring what is broken in you. I'm restoring what is missing in you. If you're lacking joy today, if, you, if you're saying, I'm not feeling joyful at all, man. I'm like, I just, I don't know what to feel. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do next. I want to encourage you. One, to get prayed for. We, we, can, we, can, we can even just get you up here and we'll pray for you afterwards. Just for fulfilling, like an infilling of joy. The good thing is that God is not short of joy. God is definitely not short of joy. <laughs> He's not short of anything. 
And God just wants to give you and lavish on you this joy, this heart. You know, out of a joyful heart comes the praises of God. Have you ever just been so happy and you're like, Lord, you're so good. You're so, you're so amazing. From that heart, that's what God wants. He just wants to be interwoven with you. In Psalm 118, and I'm going to close on this. close. Psalm 118, just a few verses. It says, verse 1, it says, give thanks. Can we say give thanks to the Lord your God? He is good. Can we say he's good? good. His love endures forever. Can we say that? Let Israel say his love endures forever. Can we say his love endures forever? forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Can we say that? Let those who fear God say, His love endures forever. Verse 15, shouts of joy and victory surround, surround my tent of righteousness. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Can we say, has done mighty things? The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Can we say, has done mighty things? Verse 21, I will, I, I will give you thanks for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Is it marvelous in our eyes? Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus loves you, man. He loves you so much that he just wants to lavish on you his gifts, his joy. Can we get the worship team up? Is, is, there, is there another song, Asha? Oh. Okay, you can do a song. Great. Can we, get, can we get them up? Jesus loves you, man. Like, I love what Rob McFarlane says. It says, Jesus loves you this much. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that was a bad time. Jesus loves you this much. And this imagery of the cross Jesus loves you this much, so much so that he gave his one and only life for you. That the Father in heaven would give his joy so that we could have that same joy. The Father could give his love so that we could have that same love. In him and through him, joy is found. The question is, do we live with that joy in our hearts? Does that joy constantly change us? And constantly amend us. Do we let God restore what is broken? Lord, is that you? (laughs) I mean, have you ever wondered whether God would just be such a bass voice? Like that would be, like I don't know. I think it's the quiet, gentle. That's what that's the scripture says. Gentle whisper. Isaiah. That's what it says. Um, God, God just wants to be with you, man. He just wants to be with you. He wants to fill you. He wants to. He wants to have this overflow of joy in your heart. There's this, there's this element of God just wanting to just lavish something new on you, to, to pour new wine into a new wineskin, to restore what is broken, to restore what is missing, to restore a rejoicing heart, and just to be with you constantly. And also, 
if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're saying, I'm sitting here and I, I don't actually know who this Jesus is, I don't, I don't have this joy that Jesus gives, all my joy is based on circumstances, I want to encourage you. If you can we stand up? Is that okay? Can we stand up? We close our eyes, and if that's you, just pop your hand up. Just saying, I want to know and experience this joy that Jesus gives. Just pop your hand up, and we'll get people to pray with you. As the worship team goes for it. And if that's you, just pop your hand up. Someone to pray for you. Give it a couple seconds. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. I speak the name of Jesus. Such a powerful, powerful thing. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Where there is joy. Where there is fulfillment. Where there is power. Also, let's not ever forget that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can, we, can, I, can I get a whoop whoop? Let me see that joy. Woo! Guys, come on. That, that was a lot of talking there. I want to see the joy of the Lord that is residing inside of you. Come on, can I hear it? Yeah, come on. Let our rejoicing be that which is heard from far away. Let our love be that which is seen and experienced from far away. Let that be the changing element to the people around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.